Hey, Kansas City. You're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman from KCUR Studios. On this episode, I have some big news, but I'll get to that because the real human, whose story I'll be telling this time around, is me. There's this song, Thrice All-American by Nico Case, and the first time I heard it, the simple opening line just got me. I want to tell you about my hometown. It's a I want to tell you about my hometown. It's really obvious that there's nothing gentle or wistful about this for her. She wants to tell the story of her hometown urgently. So Thrice All-American goes on to paint a complicated picture of Tacoma, Washington. It's an industrial town overlooked by outsiders who don't see it the way Nico Case does. Where outsiders see abandoned buildings, Nico Case sees the dreams that made those buildings and the dreams that shut them down. I'm not from Tacoma, but I have loved this song for as long as I've been a journalist. It's always given me a pang of recognition. There's something being expressed in this song that's fueled my work for and about Kansas City all along. This pressing need to tell people what it feels like to be from here. Not as a generic Kansas Cityan, because no such person exists. As myself. I'm not trying to tell outsiders about us. I'm trying to tell us about us. I was born here in 1977, but I didn't fall in love with Kansas City for a long time. I think that actually happened my first summer home from college in the 1990s. Up until that point, I had lived in Kansas City the way a child does, going where I was supposed to go, seeing what I was supposed to see. My parents were not native Kansas Cityans. My dad came from Chicago by way of an Air Force base in Japan, where a fellow service member extolled the virtues of a fabled city of fountains. My mom grew up moving back and forth between Chicago and Los Angeles. She landed in Columbia, Missouri to study ceramics, then jumped over to Kansas City from there. As newbies, my parents followed cues from the locals about where to go and how to live. In a city shaped by segregation, that meant a lot of stifling sameness. Neither of the transplants who raised me exhibited the restraint for which Kansas Cityans are known, sometimes called Kansas City nice. My dad spoke bluntly. My mom's fashion sense included purple leather pantsuits and lots of hairspray. Both of them had a way of unsettling the air around them, which I observed. And both of them openly expressed puzzlement at the whiteness of the Kansas City we lived in. I was an insider raised by outsiders, seeing Kansas City through their eyes as much as my own. And by my teenage years, I wanted to escape Kansas City with a contempt I now find embarrassing, even though familiarity is known to breed just that. I didn't understand why I was bored, but I definitely knew that I was bored. And in typical teenage fashion, I thought it was about the city when it was really about the way I'd been living in it. That's just to say there was a whole lot more to Kansas City than I realized. When I left for New York, at 18, my parents marveled at how unsentimentally I boarded the plane. Not even a teensy moment of hesitation or last glance over my shoulder. It didn't occur to me I was supposed to feel nostalgic. I was thrilled to be leaving. 
When I came back for the summer, though, I took a job at a quirky indie movie theater in Westport, Tivoli Cinemas, RIP, and from that vantage point, I started seeing a different Kansas City. It wasn't Westport that was new to me. I'd hung out in coffee shops and record stores around there since high school. It was the friends I made. They spoke with ever-so-slight twangs, and they left the G off of ING words. I'd never heard that before in Kansas City, and some part of me began to grasp just how little I knew my own hometown. And where boredom once lurked, curiosity took over. With every plane I boarded back to school for the next three years, the looks over my shoulder grew longer and less certain. This is basically the story of how I became a journalist, even if it doesn't sound that way. I moved back to Kansas City after graduation with a notebook in my hand. I'd been a French major, which has no career outcome, really, but it does fill one's head with a lot of pretentious and highly quotable philosophy. One of the ideas I quickly attached to Kansas City was Blaise Pascal's theory that we live between two infinities, the infinitely large and the infinitely small. And I can't believe I'm talking about this right now, but here goes. Pascal's two infinities. The universe out there is the big infinity. It's measured in miles and vast expanses. It's the infinity of the telescope. The smaller infinity is the infinity of detail. It's the infinity of the microscope. It's the infinity of every human being's inner world. New York, for me, had been the big infinity, and Kansas City was a smaller infinity. In many ways, Kansas City was the greater mystery. My reporter's notebook was my microscope, and also my permission slip. Kansas City is diverse, in every way imaginable. But if you live here according to well-worn patterns, you will probably look around and see people who look like you, hearing stories that sound a lot like ones you already know. That's a vestige of segregation, etched into this landscape by urban design and then given a kind of permanence by force of habit. Technically, you don't need permission to transgress unspoken boundaries in a city, to ask questions that aren't polite, to disobey the informal codes that enforce and reinforce that sense of sameness I'd wanted to flee. But a little notebook can make a big difference. Talking to people across invisible lines became my vocation, but I've never really gone anywhere just for journalism. And I've never really asked my questions just for journalism either. I've been genuinely trying to understand this place, one person at a time. So when I say, I want to tell you about my hometown, I want to know about it too. I want us all to tell each other. It's how these boundaries start breaking down. It's how this place gets interesting. And it's also how we heal. After nearly two years writing this Real Humans column and podcast, next week will be my final installment. Yes, you heard that right. This podcast is ending. But first, I have just a few things I want to say to you, Kansas City. You have the best porch sitting in a storm. And also not in a storm. You have the best horizon line between buildings. In some cities, you have to get out of the thick of it to see a horizon, but it is always visible here, and that's beautiful, of course. That is because you went all in on surface parking lots, Kansas City. 
I talked to an artist by the name of Jim Woodfill in 2004, and he giddily called our parking lots viewports because of the scenic opportunities they created. And sure, it's kind of a bummer that you gave up urban density for cement lots, but I will not complain about seeing the horizon. It's a small joy you've given me. I love your weird obsession with dancing water displays and fountains set to music. I want to tell you, though, what it's like to sit face to face with an indigenous woman, looking her squarely in the eye while hearing her describe how stereotyping has harmed her community, and then to see your football fans downplay and excuse racism in the tomahawk chop and the team name that adorns the town. I want to tell you that, but I suspect deep down that you already know. I am also not proud of your Pendergast-era mob bosses, no matter how cool their hats and cars were, nor do I really understand why we glorify their memory, but I've discovered so many other Kansas City claims to fame that do make me proud. I want people to start bragging about those instead, like the fact that three years before the Stonewall uprising in Greenwich Village marking a turning point in the fight for LGBTQ rights in the United States, a meeting in Kansas City laid the groundwork for that movement. It was the first ever gathering of gay and lesbian civil rights leaders from different organizations across the country. Kansas City, you sure do keep your secrets. I love that strawberry soda is on tap in nearly all your barbecue joints, and that french fries at Winstead's sometimes come with a lone tater tot. It's completely bonkers that you have hundreds of millions of pounds of cheese sitting in a network of underground caves known as a subtropolis. But knowing that it's there gives me immense personal satisfaction. Same with the sunken steamboats that keep emerging from underneath cornfields outside of town. I love your neighborhoods. The Keebler elf houses of Waldo, the quaint tyranny of passing trains in the east and west bottoms, and also, side note, the fact that you have not one but two neighborhoods called bottoms to begin with. That is special. I'm also a fan of the charming presence of three consecutive side streets with women's first names in Pendleton Heights. Minnie, Elma, and Amy. Right in a row. I love it. Kansas City. Thank you for never asking. Right off the bat when you meet someone new, what do you do? Speaking of which, in case you didn't do the math, when I mentioned my birth year, I'm about to turn 45. If I'm lucky, I have about half of my career to go. Kansas City has given me an infinity of a kind, but I have other questions to explore and new geographies to understand. I'm a mother, finding my footing in a pandemic that left me and my child clinging to one another in a private world of our own for safety. Having done that kind of endurance parenting in survival mode, I'm ready to experience motherhood in other ways, more ways than I'd been able to fully enjoy as a juggler of career and household before the pandemic. I went into the pandemic seeing myself as young. I don't see myself that way now. So I get to figure out how to age, which is a privilege. I won't stop writing, but I'll be fitting it into my life instead of the other way around. I have a notebook, but it's not my permission slip. I don't need that. It's my calling. After two years creating this Real Humans podcast and column, and many more years at KCUR, next week will be my last installment. I want to end 
not with myself, but with the lessons from all the real humans I've had the honor of meeting. But then, I hope Kansas Cityans keep seeking out the real humans who surround them every day. Take a notebook with you. It is amazing what people will tell you if you ask. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman. Gabe Rosenberg is the editor of the Real Humans column. And Mackenzie Martin produces the podcast with music from Blue Dot Sessions. Next week will be the last episode, but we won't leave you with nothing for your ears. Please indulge me a second while I tell you about the other KCUR Studios podcasts that I can guarantee you will love. If you like the quick energy and sense of completion that comes of a short podcast like this one, listen to Kansas City Today. It's a daily podcast of about the same length that picks just a couple of the big news stories of consequence that everyone needs to know about to be informed. But it gets to the heart of those stories in a very conversational way. So it's both quick and thorough. And the host, Nominu Giadine, is awesome. So that's Kansas City Today. If you like the storytelling on this podcast and the way we get at big ideas through regular people doing cool things, Suzanne Hogan tackles history the same way in A People's History of Kansas City. It's a longer podcast, and it'll introduce you to people you wish you could time travel to hang out with. I have wished that. And finally, Hungry for Mo, all about the way we eat around here. Well, specifically in Missouri, hence the Mo in Hungry for Mo. All right. Time for me to sign off for a second-to-last time. Don't miss the final episode. It drops next Sunday.